you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. NFL Now is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Chase straight ahead into the end zone. Aiden Hurst, touchdown. The Cincinnati Bengals are headed to Kansas City. Mahomes to Kelsey for the 12th time in the postseason. Mahomes now steps up in the pocket, throws late wide open back in the end zone. Touchdown. Wow. What a catch by George Kittle. Bobbled it a couple of times. And off McCaffrey, touchdown. Five, four, three, two, one. The Philadelphia Eagles have reached the NFC Championship game. We had two pretty close games. We had two blowouts. How in the world is Patrick Mahomes going to play on that ankle? for the AFC Championship game. What about the quarterback and the coaching carousel? We will spin them both on this Monday edition after divisional weekend of NFL Now on NFL Network from our newsroom in Los Angeles. Hope you enjoyed the weekend. That next game being in Philadelphia, the NFC Championship game coming up on Sunday. Jane Slater and Mark Ross. Hello to you both. Let's start. Jane with you, still at Levi Stadium, where Brock Purdy is still technically a rookie, but the last game that he started and lost was the 2021 Cheez-It Bowl to Clemson and DJ Uwe Ungalile. It's been that long. Dare I say, Andrew, pretty good performance last night against the Dallas Cowboys. We kept saying that this team had not been tested defensively, and the Cowboys did just that. Uh, Watching this game here at the stadium, you saw constant pressure from the Dallas Cowboys, uh, particularly when we talked about all the weapons that the 49ers offense had. And then you look at the Christian McCaffrey box score. I remember at one point going, where is Christian McCaffrey? He only had 35 rushing yards in this game. Now, of course, he did have the touchdown. Uh, But the point was they stuck with it. And that was his second lowest rushing game since coming to San Francisco. I thought what stood out about him was exactly what you heard in the locker room. Brock Purdy's composure. And if the defense can play the way that they played and you have that offense that can get through the defensive fronts that the Cowboys put up, you got to think they've got a pretty good chance against the Eagles. I mean, I just look at his performance as a rookie. And then you look at the other guy. Dak Prescott, seven years in the league. He's the one that threw the, two, that threw the two picks, not Brock Purdy. Now, he had these small moments that seemed to creep up during the game. I think there was that one right before the half where he probably should have thrown it into the stands. But other than that, I thought he played a pretty good game, like I said, because there was so much pressure in his face. For all those that saying 49ers hadn't really been tested, there was your test, and he did pretty good. He certainly did, Jane, and he did just enough. And that's all he had to do when that defense, as you mentioned, dominated the game. It's a shame. The Cowboys defense played good enough to win, but they were the second-best defense on the field yesterday. That 49ers D, usually you see that front with Bosa just taking control, but this time it's Fred Warner and the linebackers and the defensive backs really taking control of the game and making the big plays there 
with the interceptions on Dak. Fred Warner dropping into coverage, doing things that no other linebacker can do, blitzing, covering, just a unique skill set that he has there. So as long as this defense keeps dominating games, they are going to keep winning even when the offense struggles because we've seen this before with dominating defenses in Super Bowl runs, the Ravens, 07 with the Giants when our defense just took control of games. The 49ers, we've been saying this all year, D'Amico Ryans is dialing up all the right, all the right calls with a ton of talent and winning games, and that formula will go well into Philly, possibly the Super Bowl. Uh, this is what they're doing there is just just special, Andrew. Yeah, we have all week to break that one down. The Sunday NFC Championship game in Philadelphia. The 49ers have now won a dozen in a row, and including last week's game, they have now won 14 games. The Cowboys, if you include last week, won 13 games. It is not as if their season was a failure. However, some questions loom large today. Frankly, uh, turnovers do settle the scores with games like that. And uh, I'm so disappointed for our fans. And uh, this felt good. This felt good today. Felt good with the team. Uh, but uh, San Francisco had something to say about that. Yeah, I, I really don't want to get into the detail of it, but that obviously wasn't the plan. You know, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's... Um, it's obviously a, a gadget player or whatever. It's a and it's a last play situation call that we we practice. So just disappointed, as I said. I mean, guys that that played their off defense, who gave us an opportunity to win this game, who, who played their who played hard against a really really good offense, a really good team, and um, for us to only put up the points that we did, that that's unacceptable. And it starts with me, and um, I, I've got to be better. I mean, that's no no, no other way to sugarcoat it. Look, Dak was brutally honest. He said everything that I think Jane Slater, everybody saw, and Mike McCarthy there before that talking about that circus play with Zeke at center that obviously failed and failed miserably there at the end. It is not all Dak's fault, certainly, but the two picks early and the confounding play late, that will linger into the offseason. Yeah, when you consider last year's playoff exit lingered, if that one was a problem for you and that one hurt. This one's going to leave a little bit of a scar, Andrew, particularly because you felt like there were points in this game that the way this defense is playing, the Cowboys had a chance to win this game. But two issues that we've been talking about in recent weeks started to rear their heads again. We're talking the Dak Prescott turnovers and the kicker, Brett Maher. Now, I got to say, Brett Maher is probably one of the most professional guys I've ever interviewed, and that's saying a lot um, over the last couple of years. But they didn't travel with another kicker. He talked about how Debo Samuel and some of the 49ers had sort of intimidated him a little bit uh, ahead of the game. I asked him if he respected that. He said didn't really have much to say about it. Uh, but he said he felt good when he actually got some of those kicks through the field goals and through the uprights. But the extra point thing, I think, kind of made the team go a little off balance. You sort of, And then when you got the pick, you sort of felt like, ah, oh, they're sort of getting back into the rhythm that we saw against Washington and some of their struggles. Uh, but I think the bigger questions that loom for this team in the offseason are a couple of things. What's this team going to look like if Dan Quinn goes and takes another job? Uh, J. Ron Kirsten, those guys were so visibly upset, sobbing, in fact, in the locker room, getting consoled by other safeties, guys with their heads hanging down, because so many people in this locker room thought this group was special, that they truly had a chance. And then I wonder, what are they going to do at the wide receiver position? That was an issue throughout the, the year. And then when you look at the game last night, they didn't really feel like they had any receiving threats outside of CeeDee Lamb. Uh, and so 
we heard from Jerry Jones last night talking about his confidence in Dak and his confidence in Mike McCarthy. But I am curious to see if there's going to be any changes moving forward. There are always changes to rosters, but I think this team's going to look very different if Dan Quinn doesn't return. Yeah, definitely a lot of questions, Jane, but just more specifically about yesterday and why they lost the game. Look, all season we've been talking about how talented Dallas is, how explosive they are on both sides of the ball, but the turnovers and the the attention to detail that is not there, the inconsistencies, and you saw that rear its ugly head again yesterday. The DAC interceptions were brutal. The kicker situation, the last play, but also the Dalton Schultz non-catch where he doesn't get his foot down. Trevon Diggs with that Kittle catch, you're closing his eyes and not hitting Kittle, and then a couple plays later dropping an interception. You just can't have those plays in playoff games. You have to make those critical plays, and Dallas just had too many of those non-plays, mistakes, inconsistencies in that game to win. The defense played good enough to win, but then all other facets, they just did not come through from the coaching on down. We've been talking about that for two years with Dallas. Who's the blame for that? Is it the coaching? Is it the players? Is it the organization's fault? But yes, where do you go from here? Because Dak has shown once again not to come up big in a big game. A lot of questions there. Obviously, he's not going anywhere. And Dan Quinn led defense really won the game for them yesterday, but didn't come through. So where do they go in the future? So as Jane said, a lot of questions there. But specifically yesterday, why they lost Andrew, too many mistakes. Well, here's where they're not going. The NFC Championship game for the 27th. (laughs) consecutive year. Jerry Jones made a point of the offseason, says he's 80 years old, you know, wants to see another Super Bowl, and this year it's not going to happen yet again. Mark Ross, Jane Slater, a lot more to unpack here on the Dallas Cowboys and their offseason future coming up shortly. The B-Tab, let's look at the AFC, the fact that it's going to be the Chiefs and the Bengals in the AFC Championship game coming up in Kansas City, not in Atlanta on Sunday. Ian Rappaport, Tom Pelissero, hello to you both, our NFL Network insiders. Patrick Mahomes, Ian, somehow on a high ankle sprain, came back and played, played well, and that second half, it played that second half. It, it, He's really going to play in the AFC Championship game with a high ankle sprain. In the words of Andy Reid, who's talking to reporters and just said this a couple of seconds ago, he's going to play. Now, he's going through his uh, treatment. He's going through his rehab. Reid described him as doing well, but clearly he's in a lot of pain. And we saw him in a lot of pain uh, out there on the field. Was not right. Was not as mobile. Did not want to go get x-rays. That scene is awesome. Just him trying to refuse to go get x-rays because if they never read the thing, then they can't tell whether or not it's broken so he can keep playing. Turned out x-rays were negative. It is a high ankle sprain. And, you know, generally these things are four to six week injuries. By Andy Reid calling it a tweak, maybe it leads you to believe that this is a little more of the minor variety, a mild high ankle sprain. Either way, it's AFC title game. Mahomes is adamant about playing. So, yeah, I would expect him to be limited this week. Very sore and very much on the field. Yeah, he basically played that second half on one foot. He was hopping around out there, and he still made enough plays for them to win. Assuming he does play and no one's lying here, it's going to be a very different look to that offense, you would have to think. Tom, let's double back to the Cowboys here if we can. It it struck me last night, similar to last season, right? They had Amari Cooper. They let him go. Big price tag because they wanted to re-sign Michael Gallup coming off an injury here. Ezekiel Elliott, big price tag. His future up in the air. Now Tony Pollard, who you would think they'd want to re-sign, is is coming up on a pretty significant injury. 
That's right, Andrew. Tony Pollard suffered a high ankle sprain and a broken leg on an ugly play in the second quarter of that game last night. His foot got trapped underneath a defender. And that play in Pollard's absence also really changed the complexion of the game. At the time, it was 6-6. to The Cowboys were driving. On the next play, Dak Prescott throws an interception. They did not score another touchdown the rest of the game and obviously lost to the 49ers. In terms of the big picture with Tony Pollard, you saw again last night how important he is to that team. A three-month recovery would put him right around the start of the off-season programs in the middle of April before he's ready to do something. That, of course, makes it a challenge for him to pass a physical at the start of free agency, but it's also hard to imagine the Cowboys are going to let it get there. They had no problem re-signing Michael Gallup when he was coming off a significant injury to a multi-year contract. I would anticipate the Cowboys going to try to do the same thing with Tony Pollard. If that doesn't get done, the franchise tag also a strong option, Andrew. Okay, and for those trying to wrap their head around the offseason so far, as Doug Peterson said, signing off today on the podium, we'll see you in April. It's before April, free agency in the new league year, the second week of March. By which point, Ian, you'd assume... The Denver Broncos would have a new head coach. Same with the Carolina Panthers. Sean Payton still in play for both of those jobs. What's the latest? Yeah, I think if the Broncos don't have a head coach, maybe at some point this week, or everyone else, me and Tom, are both going to lose our collective brain. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so let's get into what is happening. Sean Payton, the former coach of the Saints, is meeting with the Carolina Panthers and owner Dave Tepper. That is going to be this morning. Obviously, it was supposed to be in New York City on Friday. was postponed because of the tragic death of a Charlotte FC soccer player. So that is going to happen, and that would be the third interview uh, for Sean Payton of a team in need of a head coach. The Houston Texans, the Denver Broncos also spoke to him. And as far as those Broncos, you know, they are expected to set up second interviews. Uh, Owner Greg Penner is kind of whittling that list now, narrowing it, figuring out who they want to bring in. Wouldn't be a surprise if they brought in Sean Payton, but it does not sound like anything is firm and final and set. So until it is, we'll wait word of that. In other head coaching interview news, Ian, the Cardinals today are interviewing Steelers assistant coach Brian Flores for their head coaching job. Cardinals actually gave Flores his very first head coaching interview five years ago. They did not hire him. They hired Steve Wilkes instead. Wilkes lasted one season. Flores got the job the following year with Miami, got fired after three years, and then sued everyone, including the Cardinals. Wilkes eventually joined that lawsuit, which alleges racial discrimination in hiring practices. But Flores also does have a relationship with the Cardinals' new general manager, Monty Austinfork, going back to their days in New England. And Flores did have some success in those three seasons in Miami. Did not make the playoffs, but did have a winning record, too, out of those last three years. Andrew. And for those keeping track at home, there are five open head coaching jobs. And if you include offensive coordinator with those five, basically half the league currently Needs an offensive coordinator. So if your kid is at home playing Madden right now and you think they're pretty good, you might want to throw their name in on this as well. Tom Pelissero, Ian Rappaport. We thank you both. Coming up next, that guy pretty good yesterday as well. In the snow. Don't forget about the Bengals. If you have, they know that you've forgotten about them. And they're using it. That story next. Nothing can stop me. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hard to put into words how cool it was to see this yesterday, to see Damar Hamlin and his family and his little brother Demir, everyone there in the stands, even through the snow. And the snow was coming down the entire game. It warmed your heart to see that scene. We thought we would get a great game like we thought we would have had week 17. That didn't happen because Joe Burrow and the Bengals blew the Bills out of their own building. This drive, six plays, 79 yards. Jamar Chase hit easy touchdown. This drive, 10 plays, 67 yards. Hayden Hurst is also open. It's 14 to nothing. Zach Taylor's team eventually goes up 17 to 7. All right. Bills get a field goal right out of the gate. Third quarter at 17 to 10. Maybe they make this close, but they can't get off the field on third down. Hayden Hurst leaps over defender. Point that way. That's a first down. And then five plays later, Joe Mixon, upon further review, does get into the end zone and the Bills are up rather the Bengals are up on the Bills 24 to 10. Von Miller said today when they were down 14 to nothing they could have been wearing snowshoes they would not have come back but they had a shot they're going to make it interesting here 27 to 10 on fourth down Sean McDermott rather than taking the field goal you need three scores decides to throw and it didn't work nope Eli Apple of all people says not going to happen and then Stefan Diggs says something to Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Interesting. They get the ball back. And it wouldn't work. Cam Taylor Britt, have yourself a day. Have yourself a rookie season. The Bengals and the Chiefs, part two in the AFC Championship game. For everyone talking about a neutral AFC championship game, not even thinking about you guys, how much did that motivate you coming into this? You better send those refunds. You don't care what they throw at you in any way, shape, or form. You just walk on the field and take care of business, and the whole world knows that now. Love you guys. Hey, we talked last night. They had the best home playoff. 13 and 2! I love it. On the road at Kansas City, nowhere else we'd rather be. Nowhere else. Best seven days of your life. Let's get ready and take it on the road. Cam Taylor Brady. Cam Taylor Brady. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Who they think? Who they? Who they? Who they think gonna beat the Bengals? Who they? Who they? Who they think gonna beat the Bengals? On the road in Kansas City where they went and won last year on their way to L.A. Bridget Condon in Buffalo. Mark Ross back with me as well. The Bengals, Bridget, are going to be underdogs at Arrowhead coming up on Sunday. But they were underdogs yesterday as well. Yeah, they do not care, Andrew. Let me take you inside what it was like right over there in that stadium when they won last night. Cam Taylor Britt, we just saw his interception, walked over to one of the corners in Highmark Stadium. All Bengals fans fled. They started Who Day chants filling the stadium. Then in the tunnel, a lot of various players running up into the locker room screaming, you better give them their refunds in regard to the AFC neutral site game that people pre-purchased tickets for if it had been between the Chiefs and the Bills. I was talking to Jamar Chase in the locker room last night. He told me it was disrespectful. He said he feels like they've done a lot to turn the organization around and people still aren't giving them their props. And he said, 
once we saw that they were disrespecting us, we had no other choice than to go out there and prove them wrong. This team, remember, went to the Super Bowl last year, lost, then started the season 0-2. A lot of people were wondering if that Super Bowl run was just a fluke and if this Bengals team was any good. Well, in talking to players last night in the locker room, none of them ever doubted themselves. They are not shocked to be back in the AFC title game. And they did it last night with three backup linemen. When asked about that, running back Joe Mixon said they're dogs. D-A-W-G-S, dogs. I oh, love it, love it. I, I have no idea how, team, how people keep sleeping on this team. <laughs> I mean, as you mentioned, they're in the Super Bowl last year. They've got Joe Burrow, maybe the second-best quarterback, first-best quarterback in the league. They've got the best collection of young, skilled talent on offense. They overcome the offensive line issues. Their defense is playing just as good as any other defense in football with a lot of multiple looks and a lot of talent there. I have no idea what the Bengals have to show people. They went into Buffalo and just completely dominated that game on both sides of the ball. Joe Burrow was efficient. That guy is a machine. Jamar Chase can take over whenever he wants. Oh, let's throw Joe Mixon at you and just run right downhill on you and finish the game off. The defense just hold Josh Allen to 10 points, the interception at the end there to close it out. So this Bengals team next week is underdogs again. I think they should be favored, especially with the, the question of Patrick Mahomes' health going in there. I think this Bengals team going back to the Super Bowl, Andrew. Look, I think some people could have seen the Eagles blowing out the Giants. I, I thought the Giants might play well, might give them an issue. It didn't happen. I don't know that anyone saw this being a blowout. It was a one-sided game. And now for the Buffalo side of things here, they make the playoffs five out of six years, but only once in those five did they even make it to the conference championship game. Proud of our guys, how we handled um, situations throughout the year. Um, you know, we could have made a lot of excuses throughout throughout the year of what was going on, going on. But guys continued to fight. Um, you know, we, we wanted to win this one. We want to win them all. Um, those guys played better today. Again, disappointment. You, you play to win. Um, our goal is to win a, a Super Bowl, a World Championship, and we didn't accomplish that. So everything that happened this season is kind of null and void in our minds, and um, it sucks. It was an emotional roller coaster of a season on so many levels here for the people in that building in Buffalo. How is this one resonating, though, after really, Bridget, that game wasn't that close? Yeah, Andrew, I was just inside the locker room talking with players the morning after the loss, and the biggest things they're saying is they're shocked and they're numb. A lot of talk was made last night about Stephon Diggs and how he handled the loss. He reportedly was in the locker room, left before coaches even got there last night. One of the players went out and got him, brought him back in there briefly, but he was gone before media even had the chance to enter the locker room last night. He also wasn't in there today that I saw while I was in the locker room. Remember, he was held to just four receptions for 35 yards yesterday in the loss. That is his second fewest yards receiving this entire season. But one of his teammates, Isaiah McKenzie, was shedding some light onto how he may be feeling. He said he spoke with him last night and Diggs is frustrated, saying that he often looks at him and says, why am I not getting the ball? And McKenzie says, I don't know. You're one of the best receivers in the game. He agrees with him that he should be getting the ball more. He also said that Diggs is a fiery player and sometimes he goes overboard, but sometimes it's relevant. And he said he was asking a lot of questions that we heard a lot of different players asking about how, why, every year are we in this spot and what do we need to do to get over this hump mark 
Yeah, a lot of questions there in Buffalo, starting with Josh Allen. And much like Dak with the turnovers, we kind of excused it with Josh. The turnovers this year are a serious problem where he took a step back. It came to get them at the end there. But also the organization, so close last year, what do we do? They built the team to beat the Chiefs, and now here comes the Bengals. This is why you have to build your team not just for want to beat one specific team, but to be the best you can be. Here comes the Bengals with a completely different style than the Chiefs and more physical and pounded them on both sides of the ball. And the Bills just are not built for that sort of game. So now you got to go into another offseason and reflect to build the team next year. Well, do we do we build it to beat the Bengals? Do we build it to beat the Chiefs? No, just build your team and get better, get the best players available to make a complete team to try to handle all different styles, Andrew. I'll quote Von Miller again. Thought he was really insightful on the podium within the last hour. Said we were down 14. We could have had snowshoes on. We weren't going to come back and win that game. We couldn't run the ball. We couldn't sustain drives. And that is huge. Got to run the ball. But we say that every year with this team. They made some moves. Didn't see those moves pay off yesterday. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you, Mark. Buffalo is heading home. And Cincinnati is moving on. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 12 months ago, we're sitting here talking about a 4-13 and New York Giants team that needed a new coach and a new GM. Today, we're sitting here talking about a team that made the playoffs, won a road game, but was blown out in the divisional round in Philadelphia. Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley are now free agents. I think Daniel played well enough this year. You know, we'd like to have him back and you know, again, we, we have some difficult off-season decisions to make and uh, how we're going to go about those. So I look forward to getting to work on that here You know, sure. by the end of the week. There's, there's several options. that We've got to go through the entire roster. We have a lot of UFAs. Um, we have guys that, you know, are good players that have, you know, contracts on the horizon. So that's all part of the planning that, that we'll go through. And, again, we just got to, you know, talk about how we want to divvy it up and prioritize uh, different areas. And if, if we need to open up money, like, we won't rule that out. 367 days ago, Stacey Dale's Mark Ross, the Giants hired Joe Shane. It feels good to sit here talking about these issues. They won a playoff game, but, you know, now now the offseason work begins, Stacey. Yeah, and I, I listened to that press conference, guys, uh, with Joe Shane and Brian Dable. Listen, the building blocks are in place. The foundation is set. And uh, what they established culturally is massive because these players fell in love with Brian Dable uh, in his first season as their head coach. Uh, and I got a text from one higher ranking official with the team last night because I was at that game with the Eagles and Giants and we got our butts kicked. So when you go into the offseason, uh, despite having been to the playoffs for the first time, as the New York Giants did uh, since 2016, their first playoff victory against Minnesota since 2011, you've got a lot of work to do to build this roster surrounding the quarterback that you do want back, which is Daniel Jones. And what a jump he made. You, you, you can use the words a quarterback whisper all you want, but that's what Brian Dable is. Best completion percentage mark of Daniel Jones's career, best passer rating of his career, and he didn't turn the ball over. Nine giveaways, including one against the Eagles. A really 
nice transition and evolution for him under Brian Dable this season, who is still a candidate for coach of the year. Yeah, what a remarkable turnaround it's been for the Giants with Brian Dable and head coach Joe Shane putting the team together. And specifically with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, you really just look at the positives if you're building that team and not the negatives of what we saw the last game and for a lot of stretches of the season. You have to say, this is our guy, these are our guys, and now what do we do to build around, around them? And even if you want to move on from Daniel Jones, where are you going to find your other quarterback in the draft of free agency that is the equivalent of the, the positive production that he's given you that year? So that's always the other side that people don't look at, Andrew. And Shane said all the right things today about quarterback and running back, said he wanted both Jones and Barkley back. There is a business side to it, however, and he didn't want to even go there when asked about the franchise tag. Listen, there's the Dallas angle, there's the Buffalo angle. Then you can look at, say, the Jacksonville Jaguars and say, yes, you lost in Kansas City, but you battled. And this was a season to remember. You guys were 9-8. and eight. You won the division. You're the first team to ever make the playoffs after consecutive 14 lost seasons. For Trevor, it's, it's everything. There's continuity. There's consistency. He knows the guys he's going to be throwing the ball to. He knows the coaching staff who's going to be coaching him. And um, that's, that's, uh, that, that's big. That's big for us in, in from year one to year two. And, and um, those are the, you know, the, the jumps that teams make is usually year one, year two, possibly into year three. Um, <clears throat> but for our quarterback, you know, who had a great year this year, he'll only get better just having that that consistency around him. Look, James Palmer, they picked first last year. They picked first the year before. They're going to pick 24th on April 27th. I think that tells the story. It really does, Andrew. And let's look at the story in its entirety. When Doug Peterson first arrived in Jacksonville, on his very first day in the facility, you know who was waiting for him outside his office? It was Trevor Lawrence, waiting for a new start, waiting for someone to lead him into his second year. And that's what Doug Peterson did with the quarterback and did with that entire locker room. I had a chance to speak with ownership this weekend, and they're ecstatic with the job that Doug Peterson and the rest of the staff, I have to point out, did this season in terms of bringing a lot of trust and a lot of belief back into that group. And it was interesting because the last meeting that Doug Peterson had with individual players was with Trayvon Walker, their number one overall pick from a year ago, how he wants to become a better pass rusher on the outside, on the inside. And when I spoke with ownership, they really brought up the defensive line and their importance of that group moving forward. There was a correlation they brought up between the 2017 Eagles that Doug Peterson Peterson led to a Super Bowl victory and that the defensive line, Andrew, of that group, how deep and talented they were, was a big reason why they won that Super Bowl. They like that group on that side. And also, lastly, Doug Peterson brought up the weapons, returning the same ones around Trevor Lawrence. They'd like to bring back tight end Evan Ingram, who is a free agent. He was their go-to receiver down the stretch. They're going to try to bring him back this offseason, try to keep those skill guys around Trevor Lawrence. Yep, he was a weapon. Former Mm -hmm. first-round pick of the Giants, Bucky Brooks, oh, by the way, has his mock draft 1.0 out. Jaguars picking 24. Thank you, James. He has them going corner. The Jaguars are not on this top 10 for Bucky's initial 1.0. That tells the story of the season. Bucky has Will Anderson going one, and his Crimson Tide teammate Bryce Young going two. Look at all the quarterbacks.
NFL Now is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.